Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We're going to have so much fun. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, Nick. Pumped to talk to you. I do want to start, uh, I guess, in Ecclesiastes. We're going to go straight to it. Okay. Uh, uh, So there's kind of this part of Ecclesiastes where Solomon is describing his life uh, and the different phases of life and what he accomplished in those. One is partying, and he went all out. He, like, partied harder than you or I or anybody we ever know will party. And then he built a business that's bigger than anybody else's business that we will ever meet. And then uh, there's a third part that I'm not totally remembering, but I think it was like philanthropy or, or, you know, another thing that sex, like he did everything way better than everybody else. Yeah. And at the end of it, he's like, it's meaningless. It's Hevel without God. And so what is that to you? Well, I feel like we should give people like context. How'd you find that? Like what, what specifically did you go to to find that? Of me, like, well, I think that was part of the associates pod. Yeah, uh, I have been reading Ecclesiastes recently. I actually told him to read it. Uh, I think Saul, my book doesn't include it, I don't think. Uh, Really, does it or no? Is it Old Testament or not? It is Old Testament. Uh, My book does include it. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ecclesiastes is basically just you know, they say it's King Solomon, it's also there's a lot of theories that it's not him. Um, I'm personally like pretty bullish on the fact that's probably him just considering like it's what you're saying he did it bigger than anyone else like who would that probably be it was probably solomon um but yeah it's a it's an amazing i think just check into reality of like damn dude like you you think that you're gonna get something that's just gonna make your life better and you think it's like oh it's this income level or it's this material object or it's this performance in my life or whatever it is or it's a girlfriend or whatever it is And at the end of it, like, I think what's the dilemma of an entrepreneur is you want to keep achieving, right? You want, you have to keep growing. But at the same time, if you attach your validation and your self-love and your happiness and your worth and all of these things um, towards the achievements themselves, that's where it gets really difficult because then there's always someone who has more than you, who's doing better than you. Um, you have seasons where you're not winning as much. Like they're like, I wish every season was a winning season, but some seasons are necessary for you to plant seeds, for you to like reflect, for you to focus. And um, you know, man, I think that uh that book in particular really helps check you into realizing like, hey, you can you will if you go and get everything, come to the same conclusion Solomon came to, which is like, this is all meaningless. This is awesome, probably this happened, but it none of this matters without God. Um, and he even says like much talk and many words are worthless to God. Therefore fear God. Like if you make a commitment to God, something like that, I I may have missed up the words a little bit, but, um, if you're going to make a commitment to God, then you make that commitment to God and you, you, you have like a source of like truth or judge in your life. That's super accurate and super, well, it knows all (laughs) Like you can't hide anything from it. Yeah. So I I think it's just interesting how, um, you know, our modern world is so much different than Solomon's. Yeah. And yet, like, it maps perfectly to uh, the the core problems that yeah. we all face, which is, like, happiness. Like, yeah, he, he wasn't able to make money on the internet and, like, yeah. you know, he make funnel. 100K. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. wasn't on click funnels, But yeah. the, the core problem, I mean, even, like, the Hook Story offer, that was probably around back then, too. It's just, like, the the fundamentals in the Bible are so important and still like ring true today. Yeah, it's some like, things never change. Yeah, right. right? So those are the things that are the important things to like focus on. Are the things that never change. You know, I called my mentor the other day and I was talking with him about 
you know, some of the like, hey, we're we're kind of facing this problem and da 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 da, and just like, how do I fix this? And it was really interesting what he asked me is he was like, you haven't said the thing that I'm looking for just yet, and I was just like, what is that? And he goes, what do you think it is? If you had to guess, and I was like, fuck, like sitting there, and I was like, um, <laughs> I met this guy, right? Uh, I don't know. Did you meet Ron? No, no. So you didn't meet Ron. Um, no. I met a different one of your mentors. Which one did you meet? I don't remember his name. He's a big guy. Kyrie? Kyrie. Oh, yeah. Kyrie's a, Kyrie's a homie. That's the guy. Oh, well, he's not. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. We had that when we were doing pizza at my mm-hmm. place. Yeah, yeah, Um, No, so he asked me, you know, that question. And I was like, I don't know. What is it? And he said, what does this do for the customer? Like, how is this helping the customer? And I think so often, like, people's businesses, they get focused on, like, oh, we need better revenue, better marketing, or better this or whatever. But at the end of it all, like, one of the core principles is, is it helping people? If it's helping people, then, like, there's a you're doing the right thing. It's a good thing to do. And so like there's principles like that where, you know, greed, like all these things that are um, negative traits or negative sins or whatever you want to call them. uh, There's a reason why those things are being pointed out. So I don't look at like the Bible as like the end all be all. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you need to follow your life to a T to this. And if you don't, like you're going to hell. I don't view it as that. I think these are really good um, principles. It's like Wu-Tang, I think that said it, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just how I view it. And that's why... um, I personally like Ecclesiastes a lot because it's like, well, who am I trying to end up like? It's like the guy who's achieved it all. So why not just tap into the thoughts that that guy already had, which was like, hey, this is great and all, but like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you should you should have something as a higher um, uh, higher set point for your validation, I guess. Yeah. When I first met you, you you know, invited you to a party mm. and you asked me if the food was halal and yeah. if there's going to be alcohol. I was, I was straight up Muslim at that point. You were straight up Muslim, like extremely observant. And you weren't, I mean, however many years before that or whatever, what yeah. motivated the foray into Islam and the, for lack of better term, self-experiment with applying it to your life? Yeah, I just wanted to try it. So that's like, I viewed it as like a 75 hard kind of thing. Like, let's just be Muslim for a couple months and just like see what it's like, you know, like, and because uh, I really like reading spiritual texts. I really enjoy going into that realm of just, you know, what is true in this world? What is in this world? Like, what are, what are the things that are? And, um, you know, Islam to me kind of really resonated because I started reading the Quran and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Like if most people haven't read the Quran, like most people have read some. I will part go of on air saying I've not read the yeah, Quran. You should. You 100% should. Um, I think that if you're going to look at it, like the Bible is a, I look like I'm doing the Tate, Tate, Tate hand thing right now. I'm just sitting here like doing this. <laughs> Tate and, yeah, there you go. Um, but the, the Bible is like a bunch of cryptic stories and kind of hard to interpret at times. And you're like, well, why is that happening? Whereas the Quran is very much so like, hey, if God wrote you a letter, just like telling you what's up, like this is what it would be. And a lot of what I pulled from it is you have two facets of God and that he is the most forgiving, the most loving, the most accepting. Like he, there's no one he loves more than you, everyone he loves equally. Um, and he's very forgiving. And then there's also that God is the most judgmental. God is the highest judge. And um, that like, if you do bad things in your life, like God, you will answer for it on judgment day and that everyone will answer for it. And so I thought it was a very interesting, um, like dualistic paradigm to put people into is that you have this judge who's so accepting and understanding of you, but at the same time is also like a very judgmental, like a judgmental father. And, um, you know, to navigate that and balance that is, um, it's powerful because you realize like, okay, like don't do harm to other people, obviously don't do bad things, but at the same time also understand when you mess up or you make mistakes, like you're not dirty, dirty, sinner, sinner boy. Like you're a bad person, right? You need to go and make confessions and everything. No, like you 
accept it, understand that God is the most forgiving and, you know, you move on and you be better. And so I thought that Islam was just, it was amazing. I thought it was beautiful. I ended up eventually leaving because it was like, you know, there's a big culture component, I think, to every single religion. I have no, none of my family is Muslim <laughs> at all. Like, so there's no, there's no, re- I was the only white guy in there for like days. I don't think I once saw another white person there ever. And so it was like, it's a very big culture component to it. And, yeah. um, you know, as much as I loved all my Muslim friends, um, and I love the the culture, I wasn't like there to, I think at one point I was definitely convinced I'm going to be Muslim my whole life. But like I, when I really zoom out, I was like, I think I was really looking at this as a source of like, let's find some purity in our life. And I definitely found it. I think that Islam is like, if I could give anyone instead of 75 hard, like do 75 Muslim, like just be a Muslim for 75 days and devote practice like you you pray five times a day read the quran daily like don't eat certain foods do the fasting like do all that and just watch how much you cleanse yourself and how much you heal during that time i had like numerous instances in islam where i was just like by myself praying on that my prayer rug and just crying my eyes out like just healing through shit and like processing stuff because you just spend a lot of time with god and you know by yourself um i think it's amazing i think that everyone should at least like taste it, go towards it, do it. It doesn't mean you need to, you know, this is the only way you can be and you have to do that. Mm-hmm. And you have to say salam alaikum to everyone whenever you see them, that you can, you know, operate however. Um, but it's, it's an amazing experience. Yeah. I think you're someone, a lot of why your content's so interesting to me is you engage with big ideas in an interesting way and you take them seriously and respectfully, but you don't just say, you know, I don't assume you have a hundred percent alignment with these ideas either, right? Like you're very respectful that there's a reason this exists. There's a reason this has yeah persisted throughout society there's a reason this person someone like andrew tate as well is like garner notoriety gained attention and i'm willing to publicly say i agree with a lot of things about this person without being like a full buy-in and like an npc like layer of adoption yeah yeah dude i think that most of my life was in dogmatic belief on things and um that's a trap like that's just it's nuance is um something that i think more people need to think about because you know like you have it for instance, like on the, I'm just going to use politics as an example. So you have like a lot of these hardcore conservatives that will believe that like, um, you know, everyone can be successful. Everyone can be an entrepreneur. Everyone can have their shit together and everything like that. And then everyone can be a functioning member of society. And it's like, that's great. But, you know, if I were to take though a kid who grew up in like a not so good neighborhood that was around nothing but like drug dealers, murderers, like people that did not follow the law at all, people that did not respect the law at all. Um, And he was surrounded in this like ghetto like environment, like that kid is not going to see the world the same way you see the world because his inputs are completely different. Mm -hmm. There's no way to say that that person Oh, they can 100%, you know, be successful and everything like that. Well, that kid's version of successful is like just having money and and being like a rapper or whatever the heck because that's what he grew up around um to think then that everyone can do it there's no reason why anyone ends up in a negative situation well what if your entire life that's all you know that's all you've been around so that's like one example of nuance where okay we're saying this belief but then it actually doesn't apply to real life another example of this is the red pill space i i hate i have that on my my like notes is that i consider you a non-cringy thought leader in like the manosphere like you like say a lot of the things they're saying but you're just not like you've overcome a lot of the cringe maybe that was never part of it but same thing it's like the manosphere has a lot of value things that teaches people and so does the red pill yeah but then it just just, throws so much dog water with it too that it's like 
really tough to reconcile it's the, the dogmatic it's the dogmatic like this is the me, me and Kyrie talk about this where it's the last 10 to 15 percent where people get lost mm -hmm. and and it's like you you lose that person so like you think about a lot of the guys in the manosphere i'm not gonna say actually a lot a few of the guys in the manosphere are actually pretty solid um but it's that last like 10 to 15 percent. i don't want to name names but like 10 to 15 percent of their beliefs are people like oh right okay like you're a little too dogmatic on that mm -hmm. and like even with red pill content like guys would be like all oh, women are the same really like all West, all Western women are screwed. Really? So there's no such thing as like a good father in Western culture. There's no such thing as a, a father that taught his daughter, you know, you need to have positive relationships with men. Like you, you shouldn't be sleeping around. Like, you know, these various different virtues that are like a solid, you know, partner in life, like what they would have um, that doesn't exist. Like people aren't born in there's different zero families. Of them. Yeah, there's 0% <laughs> of them. And then they're like, well, we're playing with like the minority or let's like, you know, it's a percentage. It's like, okay, well, what's the percentage then? Do you know? Have you done like research? Do you know specifically? No, you don't. So you, you like, you, it's like guys that think that we're being overrun by blue hair crazy people. And it's like that they want to, you know, do all these wild things like teach kids that they can be transgender. That's the like fringe minority of people, right? That's not majority. If you, if all of us were to go to Fashion Square and just stand in Fashion Square, which is a mall near here, and we were just to talk to people, most people have common sense to be like, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that, right? But you have these vocal, like crazy people, realistically, that get on the internet. What goes viral on the internet? Craziness, like wild dogmatism. Dogmatism. It just stuff that makes people go like, oh, 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 like that, <laughs> looking at it and just being like, whoa, that that triggered me, right? And that goes viral. And so then you have people who, um, to quote uh, Logan, Logan Fitz, they don't touch grass at all. They never like go outside. And so they they believe that this is the way the world is. And my philosophy is more so like, how about you actually go and experience life in that area and talk to people actually in that area before you come to such a bold conclusion. And that's just, I've, I feel like a lot of what my life is, is a constant like reminder of doing that in my own life. Cause I'm no, I'm, you know, obviously guilty of that too. I sometimes have dogmatic beliefs where I'm like, all right, well, if I actually like look at this, this probably doesn't make sense. This is probably not a very good idea. So yeah, I think that, um, it's just important to inspect those things. And so I do that with everything. It doesn't matter whether it's religion. It doesn't matter whether it's women. It doesn't matter whether it's business. Like I try my best to inspect every belief. Yeah. Why do I believe this? This is a good way to. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like people are just on the internet too much. And like the internet is designed, early social media platforms are designed to get your engagement. And the very fringes of like the things that you hate or love are the things that it's going to show you to keep you engaged. Mm -hmm. And then you think that that's like representative of, you know, any proportion of, or portion of the pop population and it's just not. Yeah, I use, I use like testimonials as an example of this because people will post on their like right. biz op programs, like bunch of testimonials and then person joins thinking they're going to get those results. And, um, you know, obviously those are the highlights, but you go into like a program and you say, how many people have you had through your program? And they'll tell you the number. And then how many testimonials do you have? It's like, you'll see the overwhelming majority of people are not successful. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's Amazon right. FBA, sales, copywriting, um, agency growth, like majority of people are not successful. And I think just a huge portion of why that is, is because it's like, well, I mean, that's a whole discussion in itself. I almost forgot why we're, why we're on this topic, but <laughs> well, I wanted yeah. to bring it back to yeah. ego and yeah. ego death. Cause I know yeah. you've written about that a little bit and yeah. just separating yourself from your ego because like, I think that becoming Islam for 75 days would be hard on a lot of people's ego yeah. and like rejecting dogmatism is, is hard on your ego. And so like, how 
do you separate yourself from your ego? Like, what's the framework that you think about it in? Or, or what was your I can kind of realization moment, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily had like a, all right, my ego's dying <laughs> now kind of moment or anything like that. I think I just <laughs> respected the beauty of it. Like, it was a very beautiful, beautiful body of work. I, I read the Quran and I really resonated with the second chapter. And because the first chapter is like a page long. And then after that, it's like, it goes really in depth. And, um, I decided, you know what, like I'm, I'm open to trying anything and I'm open to seeing anything. And so I went and I, uh, I went to a mosque literally like 30 minutes after I finished the the second chapter, I just Googled it. I was like, what time is a mosque open at? <laughs> and they're like, it's like multiple times a day. Like we come here multiple times a day and it's actually open 24 seven. Whenever you want to come, you can come here. I was like, wow. Okay. And so I went there, I met a guy named Imran who funny enough, Imran was the name of the father of Mary. So I thought that was like interesting. That was the first Muslim I met was the father of Mary that like had the same name. And um, I just like sat, I walked in the mosque. And I was like, I think I got to take off my shoes because there's a shoe rack right here. And so I did that and I walked in and uh, I saw a guy doing his prayers and uh, he turned around and he saw me and he was like, he just said, Salam Alaikum. And you're supposed to say, well, like Salam. So it means, I can't remember actually, exactly. It's like peace and blessings upon you and upon you too is basically what it is. And, um, I didn't know that that's what you respond back. So I was like, hello. <laughs> like I just said, hey, is it salam alaikum? I was like, hello. Howdy neighbor. <laughs> hey there friend. And, uh, I, I told him, I was like, I, uh, I just read the second chapter of the Quran. And so I was like, figured I'd come check it out and see what, you know, what this is all about. And he was just like, sit, 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 sit. He was like so excited to have me there. And like another, um, another brother from the mosque came as well. And, um, he was the imam there, which meant like the priest. And uh, priest, like head priest, leader, kind of whatever the direct translation is, I may be wrong there, but it's leader of that of the mosque. And um, they just like sat down with me and talked to me about the religion and what it meant. And uh, it broke a lot of paradigms for me because I was under this impression that like they don't like white people, like this isn't for white people at all. You know, this is like a, a Muslim religion. They don't like Americans, everything like that. And these were some of the kindest most welcoming, most accepting, like most loving people I've ever met in my life. And that just had such pure beliefs. Like when I tell you guys that I had made friends with these young guys who were 20 to 25 and uh, man, we just would like on a Saturday night, it would be such a wholesome night. Like we would, you know, go to, um, we'd probably go before Isha. So I think it was Maghrib, if I'm correct there. I, I may be messing up the prayers. It's been a while. But right before the last prayer of the of the night, we would go there, do our prayers. Then we would go to this like halal place where we would eat. And it's just this like, imagine this entire group of guys and there's just a table and you're like sitting on the ground in these like cushions and then everyone's eating with their hands. And I'm just like, I, I use a fork. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to eat with my hands. It was like wild. And they were, uh, they, they, we would just talk about like life and just God and just overall, like how Islam shows up in our lives. And then and the night by going back to the mosque, like praying and everyone like sitting around and talking about like just life in general and just a lot of love. And, uh, you know, you compare that to like a lot of guys nights out on a Saturday night. It's like the exact opposite of most mm -hmm. people. And so I found um, an extreme level of purity there that like I'd never seen before. And not only that, but I found like with Christians, obviously, this isn't the this isn't everyone, but there's a large majority of Christians that I know that go to church. And then it's like, but that stops at church, like the Christian behavior. And it's like, well, you know, only God can judge me as they go out. Whereas like these guys a hundred percent believed it. Like, no, like I have to always be super strict. I'm always a Muslim 24, seven, 365. And that was just what was so impressive to me. I mean, like 
it's not even just the practice itself, but like imagine guys now even past the, you know, control around what you can eat, how many times you need to pray, um, fasting, you know, the water you're drinking, you know, actually going to the masjid for prayer, but then past that as well, like you can't even look at women, like you're not allowed to touch women, you're not allowed to have sex with women, like all these different levels. It's just such strict adherence to God. It's, it's commendable in any way that someone can maintain that their entire life. That's why I have nothing but like respect for Muslims. So whenever I meet one, it's so funny when they like find out that I like, I know a lot about it and I'll go into it and I'll just, they're just like, you're not telling the truth. And then I'll just share a random fact and they're like, okay, he's, yeah, there's no way you know that if you haven't <laughs> like gone towards it. Yeah. So that's, um, that's a little bit more about it. I, I think that everyone should, you know, study all the religions. I'm studying a lot of Buddhism right now. And, uh, I think that they're all some form of value. I've gone deep into Christianity. I've done, I've gone deep into like esoteric Christianity, like through Freemasonry. I've gone deep into, um, well, Islam now. Um, only one I probably haven't gone super deep into is like Judaism. I got you. Yeah. You got me dog. All right, cool. Solid. <laughs> yeah. I haven't gone super deep with that. And I'm sure there's a bunch of like esoteric philosophy there. So we'll reconvene Friday night at sundown. Uh, oh, let's do it. Dude. <laughs> dude, yeah, that's the thing is like, I'm so open to every body of work because I think that every single one of them has legitimacy and it's, I mean, for the most part, it's all the same message. It's just like different nuances. And I feel like the nuances were kind of like a um, man-made thing a yeah. little bit. Like it was them like, well, we'll be a little bit better here. And then like, we'll be a little bit better here. And then like those different areas. But overall, it just seems like it's the same message over and over again. Yeah. You also are pretty interested from what I can tell. And I've picked up from just different ways you communicate. And even from spending time with you again before this in several occasions is also some kind of like, not sure the right branding for this, but just new age spirituality terms yeah. in terms of visualization and mindfulness, not mindfulness, I have it written down right here. Uh, just like talking about raising your vibration, like a lot of like the new age vocabulary yeah. about like spirituality and ma oh, manifestation was the word I was looking for. Yeah. And, you know, I spent some time with you before and you like had this really beautifully detailed vision for like your future and what you want your life to look like when you're 50. What's the framing views on, again, I invited you to an event and there was, it was named cocktail party. And you're like, well, if I, there's gonna be alcohol there, that's gonna lower my vibration. And you spoke about that, like it was a matter of fact, yeah. right? Not like, I kind yeah. of subscribe to this kind of Joe Dispenza type stuff and being around alcohol. Like yeah. you're just like so firmly committed to like also some of these new age ideas as well. So like what are, how do you encapsulate your views on that body of work to yeah, the extent well, that there's a cohesive body of work around new age totally. spirituality? I think that it's about understanding what works for you, right? Um, so Nikola Tesla said it that if you want to understand the world, think about it in terms of energy and frequency. And, um, you know, I think I know for myself what a high frequency state feels like and a high energy and a high vibration state feels like. Um, and so it's really easy for me to tell when I'm not in that. Um, and I just find with alcohol, like I always make bad decisions with it. Makes two of us. Yeah, it's like bad decisions. It's like women somehow end up in that. Like it's just there's a, a slew of just. I never after not drinking, like, I'm like, I really wish I drunk last night. Like, I really wish I got just shit faced. Good point. Yeah, I never like think about that. And usually what caused you to do it is a buddy being like, come on, pussy, like, get your bottle. Let's go. Like, and just, you know, forcing you to do that. And you never make up. Like, I wish I had drank just a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and, and I mean, even think of it, like, I think it's, it's a social setting thing, right? Cause if you drink by yourself, okay, well th this is like an issue probably mm -hmm. like, yeah. you, you know, I mean, it is what it is, <laughs> but I am pretty new agey, I guess. I hate that term. Cause it makes me feel like a, like a blue haired liberal, but like, you know, I, 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 I think it's accurate. I'm just, um, I would say that I'm very into 
energy and frequency and understanding that like your thoughts create your reality. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you will become what you think about. If that's true, it's very important to like curate your thoughts towards what you want. And, um, you know, I was listening to a, a Brute de Force space the other day where he was talking about Tate. One of the things that was really interesting that he said about Tate is like Tate kind of like lied his way into creating the reality that he wanted, but it's not really lying. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the world champion kickboxer, but he wasn't that yet. So technically is he lying? Yeah. But what he said was like every man's ambitions start off as a lie. And I think that's so powerful because it's like, you first visualize it of like, what's the end goal of the story? And then it's just so easy for you to think about, okay, well, who would I need to be to be able to do the things necessary to create that? And what does that person think? What does that person think? What do they do? How do they show up? How do they interact with problems? How do they interact with success? Like how do they, how do they um, navigate all that? And yeah, I think that that's really all you know, visualization is, is getting so clear on that and spending a lot of time on like, what do I believe? What do I think? You know, who do I need to be and everything like that. So is it new agey? Yeah. I personally just look at it as like, um, I think as like a user interface for the way the world works and how spirituality works and how God works is just, it's, you know, you'll get what you ask for. And sometimes it's not necessarily what you need at that moment. It's the lesson you need. You know, it's not the outcome that you need. It's the lesson you need at that moment. So I think that's, what's amazing about it. I think it's really clear that you've done a ton of internal work yeah. and that like given, you know, the success that you've had, you really focused on figuring out what it is that you actually believe in your brain and for yourself. Uh, what is like some specific practices that you can share? Because I think that when you say like you need to do the internal work, that's a really hard, not you specifically, just people. It's like, okay, what do I do? Yeah. You know, is there any practical things that the audience can do to work on their like inner world because that is the most important thing i think one of the best things that someone can probably do is just really try and think back to childhood on what were the specific things that fucked you up from childhood mm. there's a really good poem uh i think it's rudyard kipling i can't remember exactly who it is but that he said uh they fuck you up your mom and dad they may not mean to but they do and that was the the line in the poem and it's such a, a good point because like even if you have positive parents like there's something they did that just kind of fucked with you a little bit. And if it's not your mom and dad, it's like something in your childhood, outcomes, whatever. And um, if you can go fishing for those memories to try and figure it out, I think what you'll start to see is that there's areas of your life when you were a child where you didn't feel safe, you, didn't, you felt vulnerable, you felt like there's an issue here, or you felt like whatever, you were a failure, and that problem then continues to pop up in your life. And what it really is is that you're just telling yourself that story over and over and over again. This is going to happen again and again and again and mm -hmm. again, and you have to break the story. Because um, I think if we can change the story, you know, that's that's a big thing that helps there. So if I were to like really deduce it down to one thing is you need to get really clear on your story because you are actively at all times writing the story out and you're each day living you know, in existence, you are uh, creating that story. And so you can kind of lie to yourself on what the story was and by just changing the outcome. You know, I was down bad in the the third quarter, right? Like it was, they they thought they had us or whatever the heck that guy was. <laughs> I don't remember. That was like a- They had us in the first- Yeah, they had I'm us not, in the first- I'm not going to lie. You can change that because it could be that you're in like a negative state. This isn't working. I'm not happy. This is not working. But like, dude, why the fuck would you keep telling yourself that? Like, why would you say that to yourself? It doesn't make any sense. Like, do you want that to happen? Because again, like you will become what you think about. It's the hardest thing is to snap someone out of like a, a negative state. Yourself, 
everyone because it's just, dude, it's just the devil. It just consumes you and you just can't think positively at all. And so, you know, you have to be able to break free from that. And, you know, man, I, um, I think that one of the best practices is just to actively inspect what is the story I'm telling myself and does this story actually serve me towards what I want? If not, then you need to change the story. That's at least what I would say someone can do is actually like journal out their story, what they think, even just up until now, their life. Um, but if it's more specific, like if they're trying to fix themselves up until life, like where they're at right now, if it's a specific problem, let's like zoom in on the specific problem, like business, mm -hmm. relationship, friends, whatever it is. Yeah. Do you have an articulated current story that you'd share? Like kind of just where you see yourself along the path? Like down the road? Kind of like this moment is part of a broader chapter of a story, right? This is the chapter yeah. where you're building your business or you're focusing on relationships or you're just vibing with life. Do you have yeah. like an answer to that somewhat articulated? Yeah, I think that this is like the first part in my life where I want to live balanced and I want to not. And I don't mean that in like, a, oh, I want to, you know, I think when people say life balance, it's like an excuse for them to just go fuck off. I don't want that at all. Um. I mean, obviously like a little bit here and there, but like, <laughs> but like for the most part, I, uh, I think a lot of what I'm trying to do is not sway too much into these extremes. Cause I've been like that my whole life where mm. extreme to one direction and then, you know, go extreme in the other direction and then even out in the middle. And, uh, I pull the lessons from the extremes, but I think right now, a lot of what I'm trying to do, um, in my life is to operate from this middle perspective. And it's just like calming down, being more calm, controlled. Like, I think this is the period in my life where I really stepped into like, okay, how does a king think? Like, how does, how do you actually view life from the perspective of a king? And it's not crazy. I used to think that it was just like, think about like Dan Pena, like him as a, a businessman, just like yelling and being aggressive and saying like, you know, you got to fucking get it done. Stop being a bitch. Like that, that, that's not leadership. Like that's not effective leadership. That's fear. And that's just trying to, you know, impose that and you get addicted to that. So I think a lot of what this chapter is for me right now is just getting better at being a leader and not even just a leader for other people. Cause a, a big part of that is the responsibility. I feel like I hold on like, you know, just social media in general. I have a lot of people that just, they look up to me and, and want to know my thoughts on stuff. Um, and so it's not just about me. It's about like, how can I effectively lead everyone? And so I think right now the story is like just calming down, being more rational, being more controlled, being more calm, being more forgiving, being more understanding, being more empathetic, like to see all angles. Um, yeah, because I, I look at what can happen because I see a lot of different versions of outcomes for guys, like where they're 30, 40, like where they can end up at. And the worst thing I want is to just end up guy that has a lot of money, right? Because I think that that's great. It's not a universally happy archetype. No, not, not, a, not at all. Like a lot of those guys end up struggling. It's like, I don't want just success in finance. Like I want to have a very successful marriage. I want to have a very successful family. Like I'm ecstatic about having kids. Like I'm, I'm really excited about all those areas of my life, personal life, friendships, like community, all those things, you know, who do I need to become to be able to do that? It's not just money. So I think for a majority of my life and my career was just money, 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 money. And I got to a point where it's like, cool, I don't really have to worry about money anymore. We um, say majority, but we're, we're all still pretty young guys. The, the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. Majority I, up until now. Right? Well, I mean, dude, like my life started at like 17, 18 and it hasn't not been about money until then. So it's like, you know, before sure. that it was just high school and like smoking weed and just like chilling out and doing random shit. And like now it's like actually that story. Uh, and yeah, I think that that's if I were to go back, I wouldn't do anything different. I would still make it like, dude, you need to get your finances straight, like get your money in order so you can like provide for yourself. You always know how to make money no matter what. And um you know, then from there, you can figure yourself out and figure out how to just improve that version of yourself.
when you found the framework of the hero's journey were you like holy shit i did that i actually first really started studying it it was my friend john romanello um john and i actually it's really interesting because imagine like me i'm like i feel like i'm a lot more moderate now than i am when i met him but i still hold some like pretty like extremist conservative views even though i'm like trying to balance out i try and i try and balance it out but there are some examples where i'm very much so like yeah i i think you should be able to have like a gun no matter what where you're at and i think that there shouldn't be concealed carry laws and i think that there's a lot of lobbying that doesn't need to exist and so i'm very like hands-off like libertarian mm. kind of perspective um but when i met john like john is the stark contrast and what i believe he's like extreme liberal like left-leaning and I was like, at the time when I met him, extremely right wing. And so we would butt heads a lot, but I just enjoyed our like intellectual debates because he was so much smarter than me too. So I'd be like, never thought about it from that perspective. He's like, I know you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know you never did. But uh, John first put me on to like the hero's journey. I went to a workshop. I was 19 years old. Okay. I think I'd spent maybe 19 or 20. Uh, yeah, I think about 19 or 20, uh, maybe even 21. Um, it's hard to like keep track of those years, but um yeah, we had a workshop. I was like, I think I paid 3K or 4K to get to this workshop. And all it talked about was the hero's journey and how like you can literally see that there's like emotions that would match the hero's journey. And so if you're seeing certain emotions pop up, you know where you're at on the hero's journey. And so, yeah, like I think sometimes it's hard to remember that though, that, hey, I'm on a hero. I'm on a, what is it that Brute says? A heroic journey right now. <laughs> like I'm on a heroic journey and I'm trying to figure everything out. So it's definitely a useful tool. I think that mm. if people modeled it after that, they'd realize like, oh, that's why I, I'm experiencing this problem. Like I have a death and a rebirth right now. And so I can change and then overcome the problem. And that'll never stop. That'll keep going no matter what the situation is in life. Yeah. I've heard you rattle off, not just today, but you know, several stories of, you know, I hired this coach and I went to this expensive yeah. event. And then I was in, in a couple of weeks and going to this expensive event. And then I paid for this training and this training and this training. What's been the importance of just kind of generously or not carelessly but decisively spending yeah. money on yourself yeah I just to think, get better i just think you should get rid of money i don't think like i think people hoard money and try and like hoard it and uh obviously you know that's to some degree or another uh useful because then you can make investments but bank accumulates like what's the interest in a bank it's not point not not zero or three or something like that i don't know it's like it's a super small percentage on a uh, yearly basis you don't you don't really accumulate anything from that versus like the gains that you get from figuring out your shit and you know i just personally believe that people don't have um business problems they have personal problems that are showing up within business and so you figuring that out and you know just i, I think really trying to solve those problems like that's one of the highest and best inv investments you can make and uh, i personally don't like hanging on to too much money i have a certain bank number that i'm like all right we got to keep it at least this amount but at all times um, i want to be spending investing in coaching doing something like that because, well, I, I just think that, you know, it's one of the best investments you're ever going to make is in you. And what's the point? Like Alex Ramosi talks about this, like he wouldn't hang on to any, any money. He would continuously invest it in himself. And so that for me is like the main thing is, is find good coaches. Don't just invest it in shit. Like there's people I'll talk to where it's like, like charging $10,000 for a program. Like, dude, like I wouldn't pay you a grand to like, you know, just that person in general, whatever it is. But yeah, you have to find the right people, the right quality people. And I have a few people that I really like right now who I'm, you know, I, I work with and I pay um, like pretty much on a consistent basis. But yeah, I added it up and I think altogether I've spent like a quarter million on education and coaching and like programs, events, everything like that. 
Um, so that's why like when people, you know, oh, it's so convenient. You're saying you have a coaching program or whatever. I'm like, dude, I'm not telling you to do anything I haven't done. Like we met as a part of a coaching program that yeah. we both pay to join. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like I, I constantly spend money on coaching and people like want this reality where they get where they want to be without coaching, like this cheap, super affordable option. It's like, dude, you'll get there, but you're going to get there way slower. Cause if you have me and I know all the possible problems you're going to run into, and I have all the possible answers that you need for that, cause I've already done it successfully. Like you're just, you're adding unnecessary time to it. So, you know, speed's expensive. So I just think that it's important to do that. So you can go faster and faster. When people like talk to me and they're like, holy shit, dude, you're like 23, about to turn 24 next month. I guess it's like insane. It's like I've, I've invested, um, a Harvard level. I don't know how much Harvard is, but I'm pretty sure it's damn near that much. Like Harvard level education in myself, just finding like underground legends to like learn from yeah speaking of your coaching um community what is a creative advisor yeah so i personally don't feel like there's a lot of really good communities that help people like figure out okay how do i make like an income online as a marketer what you have is a lot of these like spammy dudes who don't even have like a reputation to back it up if i were to ask them show me your work a lot of it will be under NDA. A lot of it will be that they can't like actually show specific numbers. So I don't know how much it generated and everything. You know, I personally just looked at that and I was like, okay, someone's going to coach these guys. And it's like, either we're going to end up with these guys, like the next generation of them being like all super black hat copywriters who just write super aggressive, like DR direct response, like just shitty, like boomer copywriting basically that's what i call it like copywriting design to trick manipulate lie like that's that's what i think a lot of copy is and um i personally had built a career off of saying no i'm not going to do that i want to tell the truth and i want to focus on how to actually get someone to make a decision based on truth not on like little tricks and shit like that so um you know i've been doing that for about five years now and um you know made anywhere between like 25 30 mil for clients and so i have like a large you know, array of experience in terms of what to say, whether it's for small stuff like emails, ads, um, landing pages, like how to actually do it. But then past that, like video sales letters, sales letters, all that type of stuff. Um, and so I've written all these things. I've produced a lot with them. And I was like, there's no good source of people like giving feedback. Every coaching program is just like, here's a course and that's it. And I get it. Like that's scalable. And, you know, shit, we're even thinking about doing that in some degree. But the creative advisor right now, what that is, is it is, I will go on record saying this, it's the most in-depth training program that's out there on how to make this happen. Because what you need, it's like, dude, imagine you want to get really good at calculus. So what you're trying to do right now, you're trying to get really good at basketball. You're trying to get really good at dating. You're trying to get really good at a skill game. Copywriting is a skill game, meaning that you have to do it. It's a rep-based learning mechanism. Like you can't, you don't just like, all right, I got copywriting. Like I get it. No, you need to write a lot. It's this wild thing where I'll talk to people and they're like, how do I get good at copy? I'm like, how, how often are you writing? And they're like, well, I don't even really like writing. I'm like, what? why are you looking at copywriting? Like, what the, they're just like, I think it's like a good make money online, whatever. It's whatever. So do we go live like five times a week where we're just giving feedback on these guys, not only on their copy when they submit it and literally showing them, here's why, why are you doing this? Like you need to do this differently. And like having someone to constantly review your copy and then pass that as well to really, really focus in on like, how are you actually getting clients? Cause that's where, dude, I mean, you have Twitter. Are you on Twitter as well? I am, yeah. yeah I'm not like active, but yeah. Yeah, like the amount of guys that I have sliding in my DMs trying to sell me stuff that have no idea what they're doing. Like it's it's laughable almost. Dozens some, a day, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I have a guy once that messaged me, hey, and that was it. And I was like, <laughs> dude, and like his bio is like, I help coaching programs. Da, 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 da. So I knew he was trying to pitch me something. 
But like starting off with, hey, as if I'm going to be like, what's up, bro? Like I have no idea who the guy is. So we focus a lot on that as well. And like I have my own ways of, you know, standing out in an inbox and like getting people to actually respond to you. And so, yeah, dude, like it's very few programs that A, will give you that level of feedback. B, will also like 100% be an asshole to you and like tell you to check your shit. Like I have conversations with guys constantly where it's just like, we'll stop recording on the Zoom because it's like, we need to have like a real like man-to-man discussion. Like, why are you acting like a bitch right now? Like, why are you doing that? What's showing up? What problem is this? And like, we go dig really deep and find out there's some like deep-seated, like the other week we found out it was a guy um, and so the program, he kept comparing himself to his younger brother because his younger brother had more success with him. And so that was causing him to like self-sabotage and everything. And dude, he was about to cry on camera. So it's like, sometimes we need to get into like a really heavy discussion because the inconsistency is showing up from some form of a limiting belief. And that's a whole nother discussion in itself. Like, how do you uncover that? Right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make a program that was just genuinely like the best support that you can possibly get on that journey. Um, yeah, dude, like that's where we're at right now with it. We obviously want to create like, you know, we're, we're expensive. Like we're not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, it's like a very affordable $50 a month option. Like, no, we're like pretty pricey. Um, and so it's obviously not affordable to every single person that's out there that's trying to get started. So we're trying to make like more beginner level stuff, but if it's, it's either a, you're already making money with this and you just want to accelerate your skill set as fast as possible, or B you're like, look, I ain't got time to waste. Like I'm, you're making good money and you're like maybe in a career or something and you really want to go another route. I would recommend that then just get the top tier coaching. Cause again, like I said, it's a skill set based game. Um, and that just means you need reps and what are you doing for reps? So that's really everything it's designed after is that I wanted to create a program that if I found this program, when I was first starting out, I'd shit my pants out of excitement. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a copywriter's headline. Right there. (laughs) A program that'll shit your pants with excitement. That's amazing. Yeah. I think for just logistical purposes to save the whoever's watching this a google search and honestly to clarify for myself what is the actual skill is it just again i don't want to say just is it just a copywriting program like you're teaching people here's how you apply the skill of copywriting to a business and make a career for yourself as an independent consultant or is there more to it than that well it just depends where someone's at Mm -hmm. so it's like very hard if someone has no experience right for them to come in and consult on like the whole build out of everything like a campaign from start to finish um Like, I just tell people that, like, what's our goal right now? If your goal is to just get started, yeah, you should probably be doing, like, what I call micro copy, like, short form um, ads, emails, uh, landing pages, just, like, basic. Social media. Yeah, social media posts, posts, reels, hooks, like, all that type of stuff. You should be doing all that. And it's a really good way for you to just be able to stack three, four clients, maybe get in, like, an agency and um like get in working for the agency not like go start your own agency and you know stack like a bunch of 3k 2k a month retainers so you can like at least quit your job and just get started but if you're already like you're you already have that you already have client success you're already doing that i recommend that people think bigger with what they're doing because a lot of these guys they'll have like email clients and then it's like okay they're like i want to go make more it's like okay well there's two options either a you make more per client or B, you go and get more clients and you already are stressed because you have a lot of clients. So if you would like to make more, I suggest that you think of bigger picture ideas of what you can offer that client. Um, so if you're doing email, are you doing the email automations for them? If you're doing email, have you thought about constructing the landing page that they're sending their email people to? Uh, if you are, let's say you're doing ads, have you thought about doing the VSL that the person is sending their traffic to? So when you take more control, obviously there's more responsibility, but that's how you get paid more. And so I think that I would rather have three clients pay me $15,000 a month each 
then eight clients pay me $5,000 a month each. It's about the same, well, nine clients at 5,000 be the exact same amount, um, but way lower of the most non-scalable thing in the world, which is human interaction and communication. It's like very hard to scale. So that's, that's kind of where it's designed um, to help people because we obviously have guys that, dude, they come to us and they have zero experience. And then we have guys that come to us and they're like, I just really want to go faster on it. And it's a great pool because then the young guys, the new guys, they get to learn from people that are further ahead. Um, and then the guys who are further ahead, they get kind of a revisit to the basics. I think that's what's really powerful because, dude, like the better I get at marketing, the more I talk with like my mentors about it, the more I realize like, dude, you can overcomplicate it 10x. It's just the basics that matter. Who are we selling to? What are their problems? What's their experience like? Like all that. Yeah. Let's do some bonus questions. Got one, Kyle? Loaded up. Um, uh, uh, this will probably take up the rest of the interview, but uh, <laughs> no, let's not start with it. Okay, <laughs> you, you, you I, can, I can power on. through it. I can power through. All right, we're gonna. I, I got a clock to my right, so we're gonna see. I'm gonna check in at the two minute mark of the answer to this question, okay. and just be like got two it. minutes. Got it. So, um, I know that you're into conspiracies oh, in general. Oh, I think God. that. Uh, you know, everybody who kind of gets into conspiracies is like, who is pulling the strings? Yeah. Right. And there's, I, I know you said you got into the esoteric Christianity and like Freemasonry, et cetera. There's World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. There's, you know, uh, I was trying to get us fucking killed. All Just kinds of people that are, <laughs> yeah. uh, that could be pulling the strings. Yeah. In your search, who do you think are the people that are actually pulling the strings? It's the, it's the lizard people. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, they're out there. Yeah. I mean, dude, gotta be. (laughs) I mean, if I had to really explain, like, if I had to take my guess, like, oh, like litmus test, like, which direction is the wind blowing? I, I think the best way to explain it is, you know, evil itself is, is, uh, probably the person in charge. And I would say that I think that this is a, like, this is a bigger thing than someone can imagine. Like, when you think of God, I don't think of God. It's one thing I respect about Islam. God, you can't, explain God. Like, what does he look like? What is he? He's ineffable. He's just, you know, you can't see him. I think the same thing is equally true of the devil. Like the devil takes on many shapes, sizes, Mm -hmm. forms, everything like that. Uh, And I think it's just the concept of negativity. And so I really just believe that what you have are these like psychotic individuals that got power that were just like, whatever the fuck happened to them that caused some form of trauma that they're just like a crazy individual now. And they're worshiping these like off-world entities. And they believe that like, this is the way it needs to go. This is how we you know, worship basically Satan and this is how we act out his uh, agenda. And so they're trying to do that. And it's just, a, in my opinion, I tell this to everyone, there's one conspiracy. It's the restriction of human consciousness. And that's it. There's no, there's like everyone wants, well, yeah, sure. There's like 9-11 and all the other types of like auxiliary things. But for the most part, it's just one conspiracy. And it's that if you look and you see like all the conspiracies people pay attention to, for the most part, you will be able to categorize 80 to 90% of them as restriction of human consciousness. You want to elaborate on that a well, little bit, like what you? I'd mean. like to hear. Him That's it's a bit of a so, it's a yeah. bit of an unpack it yourself if you want to do some critical uh-huh. thinking. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the restriction of human consciousness. And you, I don't know if you can see the timer on your side, but that was an exactly a two minute answer. Okay. So perfect. Crushed it. Crushed <laughs> it. Yeah, crushed it. Um, yeah. So like, a man who can think for himself, a man who understands his connection to God, and a man who understands that he is inherently pure and beautiful and amazing. Uh, if someone understands that, there is a, a lack of a dependency on anything. And um, because I have God, why don't I depend on anything? And so if you need to create good little worker bees who don't think for themselves, who 
I feel like are just, you know, trying to get by and that's it. What would you do? You wouldn't want them to understand the power that they have. And uh, I think that's really all it is. It's like, let's just restrict that. Um, how do we do that? Let's make them stupider. Let's embarrass them. Let's restrict them in terms of, um, you know, socioeconomic status, like stuff like that. The media, what are we showing them? Let's pump a lot of negativity towards it. Let's just keep people down. Um, cause if someone's in a high vibrational, like amazing, like, wow, life is so great state. Like there wouldn't be any need for gambling. There wouldn't be any need for, you know, drinking and, and all those types of things. Um, and I'm just using those as examples, but that's, uh, that's what I really think it is, is it's like, let's just make people feel like shit. Mm -hmm. So they stay slaves. And so they just like do our bidding basically, and just quiet, no problems. That's pretty much it. Cause I think Tate said it very well once where he said, uh, uh, angry, like a, a riot or like a revolution is nothing but a group of angry men. And so if a bunch of guys got together, and I think this is really what's starting to happen more and more is we're having this discussion more than ever before is like, you know, a bunch of guys getting together like, hey, this is fucked up what they're doing over here. Like what happens that turns into an angry group of guys. And then that's an angry group of guys. Think about January 6th. Like, mm -hmm. So there's just like a lot of angry men that day. Yeah, think about the founding fathers. Like that's all it was. Yeah. yeah. They were just like, fuck this. This is dumb. And they just decided like, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm with Alex on Alex Jones on this bring back 1776. Like do it mm -hmm. again. Cause it's, the, we've just replaced the British empire with the American empire. It's the exact same thing. Do you know what the tax rate was in the, like what caused it? Like 11% it was or 3%, 3%, it was 3%. That's what caused the American revolution. Yeah. was us saying, fuck this, and you're not allowed to restrict our religion, and we're not going to do that, and we're not paying these stupid taxes. And now we're at 40%, mm -hmm. like, close to it. You know, if you're not doing any deductions or anything like that. But And that's just like, income tax. It's like, yeah. Property tax, that. death tax, like, there's just taxes. Every dollar everything. gets taxed more than it's worth. Yeah, like, you make money, you're then taxed on that money that you make, and then once you go out and spend that money, you're then taxed even further, and then at the end of the year, you need to pay taxes. We bought this water, and we were taxed in sales, and the business was taxed when they sold it, and they right. were taxed when they bought it. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. I have to say, to your goal of peacefulness and rationality and calm, that was one of the calmer explanations of a conspiracy theory i've ever heard so yeah because you well can done with that well you can get all cynical and woe is me and 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 doom and gloom about it but i i'm this is just what it is right it's how i view it you know i could be totally wrong and i'm open to different interpretations i've done enough research on it to be like this is a general idea and uh i'm just not trying to have you know be bummed out or be in a bad mood so i just kind of accept it okay well what do i have control over mm -hmm basically my attitude, how I'm showing up for the people around me and just being a positive individual in that sense. So, yeah. And I think it's also a very practical answer to the question in terms of like, and very logical and potentially fact-based in the sense of like people with power, their goal is to maintain power. People can agree with that someone in power wants to maintain their power. Yeah. And the most effective means of maintaining your powers or of doing anything is preventing the threats to that thing from yeah. strengthening. So I, I like... Logically, there's a lot that checks out there. Well, it's like, let's just put stupid laws in place that they like, they can't even, like, think about the concept of land ownership. Mm -hmm. You know that I think it was the Native Americans sold New York to us for $37. They're like, what? Yeah, they were like, how do you got, they were like, okay, $37. Like, how much does it cost? And then we just took Native, we just took New York and then that was ours. So it's like to come in and say, well, this is my land. Like, they, they didn't want that. They're like, we need to own all of this and we need to have a restriction. Like, the US is its own like corporation thing uh and yeah i think that uh for someone to wake up and realize that and be like well this is bullshit like i'm not doing this right they don't want that so how do we do that well 
we, we need to make them not think, give them zero room to think. That's why it's such a noisy age is like, there's no, you, you can't think when it's TikTok every five sure. seconds and all this crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Like so many people talk to me lately. Oh man, I just need to unplug. I just feel like there's a lot of voices in my head. Like not like schizophrenia, but you know, like inputs. Yeah. Like you just need to like disconnect. I haven't really been on like Twitter a shit ton the past couple of days for that reason. Like, I saw a stat that yeah. uh, we all read like a hundred thousand words a day. Like something yeah, insane, insane relative yeah. to like, you know, evolution and like what our brain is, is made to read. Even a hundred years ago, 20 100%. years ago, it's like, it doesn't make sense for, to have this much input. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Another quickie, maybe not a quickie. Uh, there's been a lot of tape in this conversation as yeah. a, a theme, or there's like a French word for something that's like a symbol or mo- a motif, maybe yeah, 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 a little yeah. tape motif one, continuing yeah. through this conversation. What is a point of disagreement with you and Tate? You know, I try not to focus so much on that because I think there's so much positive that he's done. I think he's helped a lot of guys. And so I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of negative things to say. I would say if, if I had to like chalk it up to one, um, I personally don't like like the OnlyFans stuff. I didn't like the, you know, making money through gambling and all that. And so I think that when it comes to someone talking about money making and all that, you know, dude, it's uh, it's hard to take that advice when someone has like made money in ways that I personally ethically don't agree with. So I would say in the realm of like um, maybe morals there, like that's kind of where it's it's murky. But, you know, then I look at, okay, well, I listen to him and there's so many amazing talks about about God. There's so many amazing talks about, you know, your your understanding of yourself and your own emotions and your problems and everything like that. I wasn't looking for a teardown. I think for the most part, I agree with you on a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that that's kind of the, the main thing. I would 100% like... I would still have a sit down like meal conversation with him and get along and have an amazing time. I don't need to agree with him on everything. But yeah, I think that um, everyone is so dogmatic on that. He's either mm-hmm. a piece of shit or he's amazing. And I'm just like, did, I mean, he's just- So are you though. Everybody is a piece of shit and they're amazing. Yeah. You know, everybody has yeah. the the parts of them they wouldn't want broadcast to the world. It's like- Totally. Yeah, like when when all the stuff with like the, the sex kind of got leaked, like the way that, you know, the whatever BDSM stuff that got leaked, I was just like- it's such a weird world we live in where it's like someone basing it off of that. Like, this is the decision. I'm like, what someone does in a bedroom, like, everyone's freaking out of them. Like, you probably watch porn weirder than that. Like, yeah. you know, and they then came out, both of them, both the girl and him. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where it was uh-huh. like, him? yeah, he got out like the belt. Like, you know, they both came out and be like, that was just like us messing around. And I think about like instances that I've had with females where we're both just like, you know, having fun with it. Like to have that broadcast of the world I would just be like, oh, Christ, like, I don't, I don't want that to happen. But they did, I don't know whether they sold that video or where that video ended up or what it was. So, you know, dude, I, I, I think that there was a lot of his personal life that was leaked that just isn't people's business. Like, that's yeah. just not your business. And so, you know, I don't, I don't really judge someone based off that. It's like, would I do a business deal with him? Depends. I don't know. Like, it, it depends on that. But am I going to take, like, moral advice from him? No, probably not. You know, if you made your money that way, I'd probably want to listen to someone that, you know, made the decision to not go after that and only chose the moral path. But then what's morals? Is it right? Is it wrong? We can get in this whole discussion. And that's what, you know, I personally feel like a lot of these tape believers do is they want to take the, I guess it's like a nihilistic route where it's like you choose your own, what you think is right and what you think is wrong. It's like, okay, well then does that mean that there's no definitive right and no definitive wrong, right? So then what's, is the whole concept of religion false? 
So you can end up in this gray area. And I personally believe that there are some things in this world that you can be so minded that your brain falls out, you know? Yeah. You, you could just, you can argue. Yeah, that's not the answer either. Yeah. yeah exactly. You can argue that to a, a fault, like basically it's like a sophist argument mm -hmm. basically. And, and I personally am just like, you know, I think that man is supposed to construct his morals and his values. That doesn't mean that there's necessarily right or wrong in a general sense. Um, there's right or wrong for you. And so that's it. One place that is built on values is Chick-fil-A. And you worked there for, for a short period of time. I'm curious, is there anything that you carried forward from, you know, working there? Because I consider Kyle it, loves I consider it to be- He's from the of, South. Yeah, uh, it's a big institution. The yeah. most well-run institutions in the world. I mean, it just like, I, I think it illuminated like a whole demographic of people for me that maybe don't have, like they are not, they haven't gotten the education they need to get a higher level job. So that's all they can do. So like it illuminated a lot of that for me to like understand a market. Cause I was just there. Cause it was like, well, I have nothing to do during the day. I was like 18 or 19. I think I was like mm -hmm. 19 at that time. Um, and I lived literally walking distance across the street from it. Like I, it would take me two minutes to get to work. Uh, and so, you know, I think it really helped me understand that market of people, which funny enough is then the market I've written to a lot is like biz op, how to make money online. People that are just complete beginners that want to figure it out. But, uh, as far as like principles go, no, not really. I, I wish I could tell you that I always say to people like my pleasure and everything. Right, like, right. no, I, I don't. I, I, I feel like a lot of that, it just like illuminated for me. I was like, holy shit, dude. Like there's a 35 year old guy that's doing the same job as me. And I was just like, I, I don't want to be in that position. And yeah, so it's 100%. just like, it scared the fuck out of me to make me go take action. Yeah. How did it come about working with Alex Jones? Um, so that came from a publishing deal that. I knew the publisher, the guy that was actually creating the offer and like handling all the creation of it. And they were with Alex. And so my friend Alan connected me with the publisher. They were originally going to hire me for like apple cider vinegar gummies or something like that to write for that. And then they were like, yeah, we got this Alex Jones project on the side. I was like, well, let's talk about that. Like, what's that? Right. Because they were like, well, this is what we need. Do you think you could do that? I was like, uh, yes, I love Alex Jones. And uh, I just, you know, came in. What was the offer? I, I got access to all the materials. The first person to ever watch resetwars.com, like maybe second or third, you know, of other people, but like no one else had seen it before me. And so, uh, by the way, go to resetwars.com if you want to look at the, the stuff itself. But then I wrote the VSL, wrote the copy, went back and forth with the publisher. Uh, the publisher was fantastic. It was just like, it was a really difficult deal because Alex is obviously a chaotic individual. And so it was like, there was something about payment with the publisher and then like something about like affiliates. It's a whole story in itself, but yeah. Amazing. Nick, you're active online in a couple places. Yep. What are those places? Uh, the main place I would say is Twitter. I, I like, yes, I kind of go back and forth on Instagram, but Twitter is definitely where I'm most consistent because I just like that platform a lot more. And it's just Nicholas Verge on there, at Nicholas Verge. Amazing. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. Lewis and I just lost our in-person together podcast, Virginity. We recorded with Nick Verge uh, at PS Studios in Scottsdale. An absolutely dope environment, dope people. Uh, yeah, the people who run that studio, they were great. Yeah, I like super them. cool. Sean and um, Sean, anyways. Sean and post production. Yes, absolutely. Help us it was she Layla. was great. Layla. Layla, that was it. Layla. Yep. Uh, anyways, Nick Verge. We started off hot with a question about Ecclesiastes. Really, uh, you know, hit the spiritual high points of this episode in this episode um and we talked about some frameworks too talked about the creative advisor for an extended period of time kind of his value proposition loved hearing him talk about like 
talk as a copywriter, and I was yes. like, that, that's, that's cool. He, but he's deeply ingrained. He's done the reps in terms of writing copy. Right. So. And you can tell he thinks in those frameworks. Uh, just a super smart kid. Can't believe he's 23 years old. Uh, but you can, right, if you unpack what he's done. Yeah, and money. I mean, he's obviously mature he's for his age. He's a quarter million on personal trainings and stuff. That was a huge takeaway. That's insane. Quarter million on personal trainings. Yeah, it was like every... You gotta write a small check to cash a bigger check. And all, uh, all of his, like, lessons were like, yeah, I went to this, I was at this Tony Robbins event, I was at this other event, I was at this other event, and that's how I met this guy. Exactly. So it was awesome. Uh, I thought that he was... Uh, an excellent podcast guest couldn't be more grateful to him uh, and to the people at the studio and to Lewis for keeping me out here so right, Scottsdale takeaways so we could post this on Twitter see this is content that's usable we don't have to wait for the documentary to happen <laughs> okay yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> so takeaways for me uh-huh. I'm uh, just trying to hit this turn so some takeaways for me real quick I thought the one, the breaking down of things is like, this is a skill game. I love that. It's like, this is a skill game. So many of his things are just ways to frame things such that people finally, the right way of going about it makes sense. Or like the right way of going about it clicks. So about, you know, vibrations and visualization, it's, or even conspiracy theories. It's like, he breaks things down so simply and so logically such that like, it's difficult for you to not agree that things like make sense. I haven't fully made this make sense yet, but the point of calling copywriting a skill game is saying that it's getting people to acknowledge and internalize the fact that this is going to take work and reps and giving them the framing such that they set expectations appropriately. And the same thing with like visualization and manifestation. It's not about that working. It's about some set of ideas that like when you take them seriously, they force you to have a conversation with yourself of like, what are the actions I need to take? What are the beliefs I need to have to become the type of person where the things I want to happen to myself are going to happen probabilistically? Like, it's not about any of it being true or not true. It's just when you accept those beliefs, you're going to start taking the right actions. And there was like another takeaway I had. I'm like visualizing in my head at my paper and trying to remember visually the things that I wrote down. And I don't fully think that's going to work for me. Uh, but Nick's just a nuanced thinker. He gave me the word for it earlier, which is like, he thinks in nuance. And that's the reason that what he does is the reason I like his opinions because they're nuanced opinions. Uh, and I think that one thing that really embodied that well was, you know, he spoke very, very highly and very much in agreement of Andrew Tate over the whole interview. He's like, this is another thing I learned from Tate. This is another thing I learned from Tate. This is another thing I learned from Tate or that like Tate sure. says this thing well. And the takeaway from that is, or the takeaway is that then at the end of the podcast, I'm like, how do you disagree with Tate? And then he started to outline some like pretty major disagreements and pretty substantial areas where he's not aligned with Tate. All that to say though, he can still spend, he can feel that way and spend an hour explaining different ways he does agree with him and learns from him. And I think that's a good like representation of not his approach to scholarship, right? Cause he's not like turning this into intellectual assets, but just his approach to forming a worldview in a constructive way. And he's, um, someone I enjoy spending time with because I, I think I learn a lot from it and I'm grateful that the podcast puts us in a position to be able to spend an hour uninterrupted with him just for fun dude I'm I'm, I'm building takeaways to your takeaways right now that's about uh, the point it was great I think everything is simple and that uh, things come down to like fundamental truths yeah, that's and what he said about what he teaches he, his students as well. Right, and I think that he breaks things down uh, 
and thinks about things in terms of their fundamental truth. And that's uh, a big lesson. So, uh, sick podcast, about to go play some pickleball. Uh, you got to write small checks to cash bigger checks. You got to write small checks. That's how you reframe investing in yourself because you see it as like, okay, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on this, but I'm confident that's going to lead me. He was like, you got to get rid of money. He was like, you, you got to get rid of it. Bro. You, you, you don't want to hold on to that. I was like, dude, he's just based, based, based. If there's one word for this conversation, based Nick, you're based. Thanks for coming on the show. Subscribe for more Loose and Kyle content. Base Loose and Kyle.